to paraphrase, um, I guess, a bumper sticker, a saying, um, anxiety happens. Anxiety happens. And I, I start with that because I think it's important to realize that if we're anxious people, if anxiousness happens in and around us, it's not that we have done anything wrong. Uh, I meet a lot of folks who try hard to be, how shall I put it, better Christians or more spiritual because they feel like somehow because they're anxious they must be doing something wrong. And I don't think that's the case. I think sometimes I know this about myself. I sometimes try to be more spiritual than God, and I don't say that with any uh, pat on my back. I say that sometimes I forget I'm human, and life has its reality about it, and that reality is we have anxious moments, anxious spaces, and it exists. So it's not as much getting rid of it. It's not as much as trying harder. It's, it's really managing our own self. You know, there's an old adage that says there's only one person you can really lead. It's to lead yourself. Is there really only one person you and I can manage? There's only one person you and I can control, and that is control ourselves. That's why last week and we talked about um, anxiety. I gave that little acronym um, using the word calm to connect, to be aware, to listen, and to be mindful. Because, and I don't know if anybody else has used it, but it has been very important for me. Because even again, as I was sitting here before uh, I stepped up to the pulpit, I found myself just going through and saying. All right, I just need to reconnect with myself and God in this moment and with all of you. I need to be aware of what's going on inside of me and around me and what's going on later. I need to listen and I need to be mindful because all of that begins to calm me down. And one of that is being aware of what's going on inside of us and around us. And I believe there's ways that we can incorporate certain practices into our life that help us to have this different perspective about life. And then maybe the one we have, if we're living under this chronic anxiety or if we have this suffocating feel or this feeling of being choked off, we can begin to shift and take a different perspective because maybe that's all we've ever known. Our daughter is um, 31 years old and a few years ago, um, she decided, I'm just gonna take 30 days, Erin is her name, I'm just gonna take 30 days and not eat gluten-free. And at that point, she was experimenting because she would feel miserable. She'd eat a meal, feel miserable, eat a meal, feel miserable, to the point where she felt like this must be what it is like to eat a meal. You feel miserable after every meal. So she went 30 days, gluten-free. Next thing you realize, I no longer feel miserable, at least in that context. And for her, it was like a whole new normal. She didn't realize you could actually have a meal and not feel horrible after you ate a meal. And now she basically does. I can tell you she's really living it up because she's with her uh, husband Avery in Paris right now and they have every gluten-free croissant in the world right now. We keep seeing pictures of it on Instagram. So Erin's feeling much better with her new diet. But that is a new normal for her. And I guess part of what I'm saying is maybe we didn't know there was a different perspective because all we have ever known is this one perspective when it comes to anxiety. So before we move into some other parts of this, I do want to just suggest five possible sources or places in which anxiety can be manifested or it spikes in our life. Now, these are going to be just general observations, uh, and they're probably more personal than in nature because I don't know maybe where yours tends to spike. Um, but I'll just start with the big one. Um, 
Existential. Now, I know that's a big word, (laughs) existential, but it basically means this. We get anxious about the big questions of life. Where am I headed? What's my purpose? What is life all about? Those aren't silly questions. Those are very real questions, and they may be seasonal, but they do cause some anxiety, especially if we're not sure how to answer those questions or what that means. Um, Anxiety can be circumstantial. There are circumstances that we may be in that cause anxiety to be very real. Um, and it could be anything from financial, it could, be, uh, it could be sickness, it could be something work-related, but you have circumstances that sup up the anxiety. Um, relational. And I think one of the areas we don't often consider, which is very real in anxiety, is our relationships. This can mean family, partners, spouses, friendships, anything that involves Conflict, anything that involves misunderstandings, boundaries, intimacy, relating, anything. Relationships and families can often be our biggest source of anxiety. And But by the way, here's the paradox. It's often the people you're most intimate with that you're the most anxious with. Because there's a connection there. It's often the people you're least connected and least intimate with that you will be the least anxious with. Partly because maybe we've just figured out a way to cut those people off from our life. Um, Spiritual, that can be a source of anxiety. This has to do with our faith journey and our anxiousness results from our doubts and our questions that arise, maybe wrestling with our own guilt, our own shame. And I think it's important to say that for some folks, there's this anxiousness that I'm never good enough, that I'm never valued enough, that God would never love me if God really knew me. Well, what I realize is God really does know me more than I know myself. And that love never stops. That love never ends. As Paul says in in Romans, that nothing separates us from the love of God. Does that put that anxiety to rest? Well, not completely. I find that there are times that I have the sense of guilt and shame in my life. And it rises just a bit, but it can come from spiritual sources. And then the last I would say is environmental. And I don't mean the world and, and, and climate necessarily that can cause anxiety. What I mean is the environments we exist in, work environments. Again, home environments, maybe family environments. I talked with a friend this morning who was having a very difficult time with anxiety and with stress because of his work environment. And uh, morale is down. Um, um, Everyone doesn't want to show up for work anymore. And so folks have even started resigning and going to other places. So there's this real sense of anxiety there. So to be clear, let's not make ourselves more anxious now because I've given you all these possible sources because you're probably thinking, you know, I only knew one. You've given me four more. So thank you very much. That's not the intent. I think the intent is to say it happens in life. It's part of it. And sometimes I get caught up in it, and sometimes I'm able to find my way to manage through it. I believe what we aim for is not necessarily to rid ourselves of it, but to become more anxiety resilient. If there's any Brene Brown fans out there, she has these TED Talks, and she talks about connection. She talks about vulnerability. She talks about shame. And one of the things that she says is our goal isn't to become shame-free. It's going to be part of our life. We, we have it. It's to become shame-resilient. How do we live within it and around it and work through it? And I think the same thing is with anxiety. How do we become anxiety resilient, aware of our patterns, our triggers, and engage in practices that help us to become more resilient? Because it's from this place and this center that we're able to respond to life with clarity and confidence 
and we keep moving forward with, some, with a, a sense of certainty. So why engage in anxiety proactively? Don't, doesn't it just dissolve away when circumstances change? I would like to think so. I would like to wake up every morning and it would be gone. I would like to wake up every morning and the circumstances change or maybe the relationship patterns change or the environment changes. I would like to wake up, but that's not often the case. Most of the time we've become so used to being anxious that we also look for things to be anxious about since it's our normalcy. We're not sure what to do when life is going well. Do you ever notice that, by the way? We get so used to sort of living on the adrenaline of anxiety, if things start to go well, we start to say, yeah, but you know, I just wait for that other shoe to drop. And it's hard to enjoy life and to enjoy those moments. I believe engaging in practices that help us to become more anxiety resilient are important because we need people in the world, and this is where I'm heading with this, we need people in the world who can serve compassionately, can think clearly, and live creatively. And all of this is difficult to do when our hearts and minds and souls are flooded with anxious thoughts and scenarios to the point that we shut down. We fight or we flight, we disengage, and we pull the covers over our head, and we hope Friday gets here soon, or we can't understand why the weekend went so fast, or we can't wait for the next vacation. It's just hard to live life. Author and pastor Brian Zahn tweeted this, Put it this way, we're all scripted to be anxious over whether we have enough. But Jesus doesn't share our anxiety. Jesus calls, of, uh, Jesus calls us out of anxiety into trust. It was Jesus who responded uh, to God's kingdom in this way, quote, therefore stop worrying about tomorrow because tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own, or as one paraphrase puts it, quote, give your entire attention to what God is doing now. And don't get worked up about what may or what may not happen tomorrow. God will help you deal with whatever hard things come up when the time comes. So let's just spend the last few moments looking at this passage that Dave read out of Philippians. I'm going to read it again. Don't be anxious about anything. Rather, bring up all of your requests to God in your prayers and petitions, along with giving thanks. And then the peace of God that exceeds all understandings will keep your hearts and minds safe in Christ Jesus. So from now on, brothers and sisters, if anything is excellent, if anything is admirable, focus your thoughts on these things. All that is true, all that is holy, all that is just, all that is pure, all that is lovely, and all that is worthy of praise, practice these things. Whatever you learned, received, heard, or saw in us, the God of peace will be with you. I think this passage in very simple terms, gives us a couple practices to move us into those places where we can be anxiety resilient. And the first one is simply this, is that of prayer. Now again, that seems so simple, but I think what Paul is saying here, it's not always about asking, it's really about just opening up the space in our soul for us to transcend all that is swirling about us. And in that space, we're able to connect with God and be present to God and be present to our own lives. If you think about Jesus, at every crucial moment in his calling and in his journey, he took time for prayer, sometimes all night. And it's in those moments he got clarity around God's call on his life. He got confidence. He got courage. He connected with that, that great reality called the kingdom of God, that this is what I'm here for. And I don't want to suggest that prayer is just asking or requesting, but prayer can be silence. 
It can be solitude. Prayer can be taking a walk in nature. It can be reading scripture. It can be reading something inspirational. It can be opening us up to God's spirit. Prayer can be lament. It can be questions. It can be doubts. Prayer can be one word. It can be one sentence. It can be one thought. It can be a whole paragraph. But whatever it is, prayer invites us to be in this place where we, we, we connect with someone greater than all that is swirling around us. Again, Brian Zahn writes this, the primary purpose of prayer is not to get God to do what you want God to do, but to be properly, be properly formed. Formed in His Spirit, formed in His love. And when I pray, if all I ever hear is God saying to me, it's okay, I love you, it's going to be fine, then that's a good day. That's a good prayer. I may be asking for some big things at times. I may be asking for some things to really get me out of a jam to just take this away. Sometimes it doesn't. But in those moments and when I pray, whatever that looks like for me, how I connect with God, I realize that a space is cleared out. And it's often in that space that I can breathe again. It's often in that space that I can see more clearly again. It's often in that space that creativity and imagination and insight kind of begins to flood in. It's in that space that I see a much different reality than the one that often is weighing me down. And I think Paul then also adds this, to practice gratitude. To give thanks for all of God's moments of common grace and those special graced moments that speak to your condition and speak to your circumstances. Theologians for years have talked about common grace and and, uh, special grace, which seems a little odd, I realize that. But common grace is simply this. It's recognizing that all of life is grace. That God's grace pervades all. That the rain falls on the just and the unjust. And that every gift we receive, everything that happens to us, that blesses us, encourages us, helps us down the road just a a little bit, is this common grace. The world is filled with it. It's brimming with it. It really is kind of hard to miss. But I miss it. I don't pay attention to it. Sometimes I don't see it. And that's what prayer does. It puts me back in that place to say, oh, I'm just thankful. And by the way, here's where the shift takes place. I'm thankful for that 20 minutes in the car where I can just be by myself. Sometimes it have to, it's, a hard, it's a hard work to do, but I'm thankful for this, this traffic jam that I can just sit here and, and be present to myself. I'm not going anywhere, so why worry about it? Yeah, that's a stretch. I realize that. But sometimes those moments can be acts of common grace. And those acts of special grace where God specifically addresses our needs and gifts us in ways that it's grace. And I think in practicing prayer and practicing gratitude, we create a space for peace to open up and fill those anxious spaces in our life. Those empty spaces where we have filled it with worry and stress, we create a space for us to live with more intention about what we focus on and what we direct our attention towards. And listen again, just in closing, what Paul says we'll we'll see. He says, if anything is excellent, if anything is admirable, focus your thoughts on these. If it's true, if it's holy, if it's just, if it's pure, lovely, all that is worthy of praise. I don't think Paul was giving us a list. I think what Paul was essentially saying is, when you make space for prayer, prayer and gratitude, what's going to happen is you're going to see the world in a different way. It's quite possible you will see things you didn't see before. That word excellence, by the way, is very important to understand. 
It's not the kind of neurotic form that we sometimes think, be perfect, never make a mistake. Excellence, sometimes that can happen. In the Greek thought, excellence was beauty. Excellence was wholeness. When they said there was this excellence about life, what Paul was saying is there is a wholeness and a beauty to life. And I think what Paul is saying, when we make space for prayer, whatever that is for us, when we make space for gratitude, somehow what fills in that space and moves anxiousness out is this awareness that life in its way, own way can often be very, very beautiful. It can be very, very wonderful even in the midst of those anxious places. And they can exist side by side, and they can be coexisting. But one doesn't have to dominate the other. And in those moments, we can just simply be present and say, I'm feeling very anxious right now, but there's this beauty to life that I also want to recognize and affirm, and God is present, and God is real. And that peace, Paul says, guards our hearts creates this place where we know deep down all will be well and all shall be well. And this is my choice. This is our choice. How I want to keep showing up and the practices I engage in. One thought. Oh, that was sweet. Thank you, Leo. See, life is beautiful. See, you hear that little baby just coo in the middle of worship? I don't even know if I should end with a quote. I'm just going to leave it at that. I think that was a great way just to say, Leo just reminded us that there's always life and new life. And everything matters, even the little coup of a baby. So let's just sit with that. Let's have a few more moments of silence and invite God's peace to guard our hearts for this coming week. <laughs>